Alonso puts one up. Chimilco header. Go! I mean, he takes it on one foot and he slaps it home on the other one. Oh, go! Go! Sergio Santos! That is absolutely brilliant. Shot go! Montero looking, he's going to take it south. What a goal! Chimilco! Unbelievable! He'll see now, Chip! What a goal! That is as pretty as Duke as you're going to see in any old looking back. The shot! Go! Hey, so welcome to another episode of Views from the Bridge where we're still here, kind of um, limping in the playoffs just like your Philadelphia Union. That's right, yes. It is uh, just me, Paul Catrino Jr., and my buddy Chuck Booth here today. Uh, we have occurred several injuries on the front of our uh, first team. Uh, Evan is in a, I want to say, sleep coma. Uh, very serious. We wish him all the best. We hope he get the helps he help he needs. But uh, and then Justin Ashcraft is celebrating both his wife's and his birthday. They are only a yes, day so. apart, and that is incredible. So, and we would definitely like to wish a happy birthday um to the Ashcraft family. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine ha- not having to? actively remember every year when your wife's birthday is because it's just the day before yours you are never going to forget that i think it's oh i mean i i have a pretty i have a pretty good situation where my boyfriend say shares the same birthday with one of my best friends so i instead have the issue on um who one do you person, get a nicer I present? have to miss your birthday not not really that but <laughs> on whose birthday do i physically miss since one is in Pennsylvania and one is down here in Baltimore. And one of them is, you know, someone you're in an active relationship with. I kind of think that has to Bo- be. Both of them are people that I'm in active relationships with if we're being real at this situation. Yeah. Nah, I get that. Chris, my, my girl's a little easier. She is one month after me and one day after. So I am April 1st. She is May 2nd. I had to do a little bit of math, but... You know, we're in si- we're in single digit math, so it's not too hard to handle. Uh, speaking of single digit math, you could count on one hand how many points the Union have gotten in the past five games. Chuck, how many points is that? Well, first, you don't have to use the our thumbs fingers for counting that because you don't need to use your thumb. It mm, was four. Mm, mm. It was four. Four points in five games. Man, that's pretty rough. Especially, especially for a team considering... who's trending upwards all season long. I was going to also say, especially considering um, the win in San Jose could have very easily been a draw. When you also look at it as when we were discussing this three-game road span, we were talking about the San Jose as being the most difficult game in that little stretch of games. And you come out and shit the bed against the Red Bulls. Okay, fine. You get out to San Jose on a short break, and you actually come back in that game, and you win. Incredible. Positivity. So, so very good to see. It's the type of resilience that we've been seeing all season long. It's fantastic. Back on track. To Columbus we go. What on God's <sighs> green earth was that game that performance <laughs> i don't i don't know who showed up for that because it wasn't the philadelphia union that i've watched all season i certainly didn't think so either um <laughs> i don't know what it is sometimes chuck i i really as not professional athletes i know we don't have the same <laughs> approach to the game as these athletes do, but I can't imagine it takes too much to get you fired up to beat a Columbus crew team. Like you are out, you outrank them in every facet of the game. 
You genuinely do. Like, when it comes to skill, Philadelphia is another class above them right now. Especially considering the only motivation you should really need is getting that at least the second seed it, so in the East so that you're locked in for a CONCACAF Champions League spot, which the Union also lost over this time period, which I kind of want... Part of me kind of wonders if um, potentially Ernst Tanner doesn't rate that competition and threw it. I mean, he's clearly one of the more forward thinkers when it comes to uh, general managers or sporting directors in MLS right now. Um, I think he genuinely sees that this, this MLS Cup, like this thing that takes the longest time to achieve, you know, objectively over the span of an American football season, American soccer season, that he wants this. Like, his like he wants his legacy to be, no, I go win championship. I win the championship that matters to MLS fans, which is the trophy that <laughs> MLS is named after. Like, he clearly values it more than anything right now, and if that necessarily means trying to match yourself up in a better situation in the playoffs. I don't think he set that precedent too forward. Like, hey guys, why don't we just try to get third place instead because statistically we could maybe make a better run in that position as opposed to second. But, (laughs) man, they were not motivated at all. And you lose Bedoya in that game, which... It um, meant that we had to see Elsino start versus NYCFC, and uh, that didn't go well. It's funny, you watch that entire first half against New York City, and you see the utter flatness of it all, the looking a step behind... And you're always thinking in the back of your head as a Union fan, well, at least we can bring Elsino on the second half. And you look on the field, it's like, oh. Oh, wait, he's actually out there. (laughs) And um, Fafa Pico did himself no favors being on the field with um, Casper Shabilko going out with a foot injury during pregame warm-ups. Luckily, it's not the foot that kept him up for almost an entire season. But I don't even know if I should say luckily at this point, because this means he now has issues with both feet instead of one. That's certainly one way to spin a chunk. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) look, this team isn't the same team if he's not on the field. It's been painfully clear this season that the main striker, the focal point of the top of that formation needs to be Casper Shabilka. Vooten's not giving you a, an ounce of genuine skill that could even constitute putting him up there, let alone he was going to fill in at the wing position. So you're going to have Ilsenio on the right and Vooten on the left. Your middle's going to get destroyed by that lack well, of hustle on defense. The thing that sucks is that if Alejandro Bedoya is healthy for that game, you play a diamond and you probably play Wooten next to Sergio Santos up top. Yeah, and that's not terrible because you're having that that extra support that can push the play towards those strikers from the outside. In that in the way we lined up against New York City, everything had to be funneled through the middle and outward. Just because you have Pico on the field doesn't mean he's going to always be available down those wings. We've seen how many issues he's had with his touch and getting free in the box. And what, now you're going to throw Vooten on the side and hope that he's now a winger? It's just not how it works. I, I don't know, man. I... It's like, yeah, we're, I don't, we're I, in the playoffs. We're in the third spot in the East, and you're still just sitting here watching this Union team going, 
what the hell is going to happen right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened going into this lineup. Um, I praise the Lord that there are currently 12 days between now and when the Union have to line up for a playoff game. And I hope that whatever is going on with Bedoya and Chibilko is done by that point. I've done a little investigative research myself, and from what I can gather, this this is big, all right? So Union fans, like, listen up. Okay. From what I've been able to gather, the angle at which Alejandro Bedoya is taking his Instagram pictures seems to be from about a middle five-foot, six-foot height. So it seems like he's standing a lot, which is great news. I can't prove that that's the case. That's my hot take. That's my information for you today. Um, but I, I ask you right now, Chuck, is missing Bedoya a bigger deal or is missing Casper a big deal going into this first game against Red Bull? Um, against Red Bull, I'd probably say it's missing Bedoya. Yes. Because yeah. you need defensive solidity against that team because they are now attacking and pressing like the Red Bull that we all know and hate. Um, unfortunately, that means target number one is Harris Mandunian at the base of the midfield. Yeah. And without Bedoya on the field, he looks lost. I mean, he really does, it, and it's it's tough having to transition yourself from being able to sit r- directly in the middle of the field and just dictate where the play is going to start. You are the guy that gets to chill there, kind of relax. You're able to make smart defensive um, plays in that area, and then you go from there. When you're getting spread out like that, it's clear to see that he's getting worn down kind of at the end of games and he's played every minute this season which is also not helping him at all you know he's he's certainly not in his prime years anymore so when you're missing a guy like Bedoya and you're not getting you know all that cover as well from Montero it's tough you know it's never going to be easy to ask someone in his position to do that but you need Montero and Bedoya. Like, that's the key. That's what is able to give him the blanket of protection where he can do... Like, he can play his best soccer. Um, you also need Marco Fabian to start games. That, that probably helps, too. Well, he's certainly got one shot to do so. <laughs> and if it fails, then there's no other shots because the season will be done. So... <laughs> Marco Fabian. What's up, buddy? Listen. I mean, I don't actually <laughs> think that I don't think that he was that bad when he came in um in the second half. It was just unfortunately too little too late when the union decided to go three at the back, play Matt Rail basically in midfield and gun it. I mean, yeah, it was certainly a bold way to approach that game. Um, I didn't expect New York to take it lightly, but they absorbed pressure relatively well, and it was clear to see that the Union were able to make stuff happen from it. It, It's tough, man. (laughs) It's such... This lineup selection from Jim Curtin is so damn important, and I have no advice as to <laughs> it, as to make I this mean, any easier for him whatsoever. We're just gonna have to see if these guys are available, these uh, Casper but, and Bedoya, because it at least becomes a little bit easier to rotate people around when you have all those guys there, because. 
certainly the midfielders, they can play in different areas on the field and be okay. It's just they need to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's just like if you have your best team available for you, the lineup picks itself. If you don't, then things get things get extremely murky. But I know one thing is that they're going to need to get back to the 4-4-2 diamond against NYCFC. I mean, bleh, bleh, wrong New York team. That's all right. Um, against the other New York team that's not actually located in New York but says they're a New York team. Yeah, um, good transition. And... Uh, if Shabilko's not healthy, that probably means your best strike partnership to face them is going to be Wooten and Sergio Santos just for an energy basis. Because um, Wooten playing forward wasn't too bad against NYCFC. I mean, um, Wooten playing... Said I said the right team. I, you corrected yourself. I... Just, um, I'm sitting here with a beer. This is again a, a moment of the pod where people can't see facial expressions. But Paul definitely gave me a check yourself facial expression. Um, but Wooten the winger was awful. Oh, yeah. oh man. <laughs> I could not believe it. I... I don't know. I just I, I never thought I would see him over there. If it's ever on the field, it's going to be in the diamond. You know, you, you put him up there at striker in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup, maybe. It's it's been interesting Tanner's uh, Tanner's move this year. We've clearly seen positives out of what he's brought to this team. That's painfully obvious but did not hit on a few still i think if this Mark, is yeah yeah you know marco fabian is kind of the thing that you know weighs down a side much more if he performs one way or another at the end of the day if they do anything in playoffs then uh, the money was worth it because this is the time of the year that both of them were purchased for. So all they need is a couple otherworldly performances. Um, like even the fact that Sergio Santos has really only played one good game this year. Mm, yeah. But that game brought the union back to win. So it mattered. Yeah, and it's it's almost like Jim has an idea of if he wasn't good at inspiring these guys and kind of getting the most out of what he has available, then the union wouldn't put those videos out of him talking to his team before a game because they're clearly mm -hmm. impressed in what he's saying and how he's going about it. But you're absolutely right. This is... This may be one of the most critical moments in this team's history for very for very good reasons because you're now in this 10th season you've been around double digits. You have this product in front of you that you genuinely want to believe in. It's it's there, you've seen tangible results against formidable MLS opponents. You got it. But as um, we've so, expressed so many times before then, it doesn't matter if they don't win in the playoffs. I hate matter. you because you already answered my next question. Not. I, I mean, I agree with you that it doesn't matter because at this point, it's just lip service where you're saying, well... This was a really good regular season team, and they made the playoffs. But unfortunately, just like um, making the playoffs as the seven seed, they still backed into the playoffs. So if it's not a win, getting there, I, I don't really care. Yeah, 
it, it it makes everyone's job a whole lot harder to convince people to go to union games if it's like oh well they crashed out in the first round but i'll tell you what that team was fun to watch last year it's like what <laughs> it's like okay no you want you want to be able to say it's like we were almost in the championship you know it's like they was they were that good they were that good that they were like pretty close it just ran into a really, really good team. And I don't think Red Bulls are a really, really good team when put up against the Philadelphia Union. Because I think this Union team is a really, really good team. Yeah, I mean, there are two really, really good teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, and they are NYCFC and Atlanta. The Union are the next closest thing to being a really, really good team with them, as shown by the way that they've played both of these teams. And then there's everyone else. Yes. So, even though it is a game where both teams know each other extremely well, and unfortunately, Red Bulls did beat the Union, you gotta win this at home. Yeah. It's... It... defines the entire offseason this next game I think you win this game and whatever happens after that you're going to be proud you're going to be proud that you didn't just absolutely let the fan base down in this critical moment where you're finally able to be like yo guys play off soccer and it's here yeah I, it's it. just a, it's just a point where even just for the sake of narrative, you have to get the never having won a playoff game off your back. Yep. Yep. Because unfortunately, in situations like that, narrative does matter, as shown by some of these U.S. Open Cup final games that we've seen. Yeah, it's. It, it's imperative like to move forward as a franchise and to have you know the the general backing that this team knows what they're doing it's just this was the first year they really got to implement this dramatic first team change that a lot of people have been waiting for and which i think there's certainly more to come with the next few seasons that tanner's in charge uh, just given some of the rumblings we've been hearing, but you got to back it up. It's got to be backed up by, yeah, you've earned the most points you've ever had in a season. You break the goal-scoring record for the team. You break the wins record. Um, most road wins. Uh, might be a couple obscure ones that I'm missing, but okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, playoff it, win one. It's a lot. Just get one. Show that you can do it. This is the most intense situation you have right now. Priority number one. If it's not, pick someone else who's ready to fight like it is. Mm. Uh, well, that was depressing um yeah right (laughs) want to get a little more depressing and um talk about um that piece that was written that uh shook uh unionville to its core (sighs) yeah let's do it unfortunately we would be doing it a service if we did not um, discuss um, the piece written by um, Pablo Mar. Uh, it's, where is the actual article? Because I do have it somewhere. Uh, Pablo's been doing incredible work all year, and he's actually kind of taken a, um, a, a pretty solid interest in the union. He's done a couple pieces now uh when he's been able to come up here uh obviously this one was certainly something that 
struck a lot of people. Uh, cl- well, the first thing that got first thing that got me is um, that it began with the lead. Fuck that soccer team. Yeah, bold choice. Which is um, I respect uh, it, but wow. <laughs> I mean, it it is one of those situations where cursing in print media is used to get across a point and his point was heard certainly uh decently decently long read but definitely captivating the entire time because of the subject matter of the absolute disconnect between the city of chester and the philadelphia union i mean there's a giant road that basically separates what the union own and what is Chester, Pennsylvania. And they just don't feel any connection to the fact that there's a professional sports team in their town. And it's due to the lack of expansion and business growth in that area since the union have been there. I think yeah, it's I mean, a tough situation all around. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, ba- basically... Um, like walking from the stadium through Chester after Sunoco, everything changes. Um, and it's a situation where so much was promised when uh, the union came to town, um, both by the union and by the mayor of Chester. And, uh, Unfortunately, looking at things now, more or less, outside of the union getting some shiny new things in the stadium, and Chester now having Chester's high school having their soccer team now be funded by the union, not much has changed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's painfully clear that the union are the ones reaping the benefits of having this team there more than the actual city itself. Um, and I, it's, it's just a situation where I think that the notion that a professional soccer team being just planted into a city or a town will just instantly change the landscape of that area due to its economic value and marketability. Uh, Certainly not over the span of like it just being there for a few years. And even 10 is, you know, asking a lot for major changes. But I 1000% agree that it's close to non-existent in the city of Chester. There's no presence. I mean, there's not even a pre- like if you were dropped there and told you were near an MLS stadium, you wouldn't be right. You'd be right from left. You would have no idea how to get there. It's like there's no signage leading you to the stadium. No one has flags outside or anything of that nature. It's just bizarre. It it's bizarre to see. A town that cares so little about that professional sports team. Um, yeah, it, it's, more has to be done because if if not, you've basically doomed your Pax tears. I mean, when you look at the city as a whole, if you were dropped in the middle of town, you would not be able to tell that an MLS franchise exists in that area because no one, there's very little to indicate that people give a crap about the team being there. And clearly by the amount that's been done in the city, the team doesn't care that much either, but both sides really do need each other to, succeed in order for itself to grow i mean if the team continues to grow it only draws more people there and maybe 
you know, you're starting to see more business opportunities pop up in that area. And I think the union need Chester to grow if people are willing to drive all the way out there and have something to do early on in the day and after the game as well. I mean, I just went to Larimer for the first time and I couldn't believe that I was at an establish like a public establishment that was within walking distance of the stadium because there was a good amount of fans there with like outdoors, like cornhole and everything going on. And I'm just looking over and I'm seeing the parking lot and I, I was, I thought it was great. Like do more of that. Just more opportunities for these fans to want to hang out in Chester. Yeah. And I think, and I do think that in the future there will be more of that. And that, um, the waterfront development is coming. It's just, unfortunately, this all is a process and you realistically can't turn anything around in 10 years. Like is, is it completely fair for some people to be skeptical on the fact that the union will do anything good for the area? Of course, like, absolutely. um, you should realistically never trust corporate money. And Jay Sugarman is, nothing but corporate money um but you can definitely look at what the team has been doing recently and say there is at least a little bit more of a commitment to the area even if it just seems like lip service from tim mcdermott yeah and when they do all of these um these community outreach things they're not just going to Chester to do these things, but the entire tri-state area, you know, especially, you know, in the city of Philadelphia, but you're also getting the Jersey and the Delaware side. And people are somehow getting raged about that because it's like, you got to be focusing those efforts more on Chester. Like they're not the Chester union. They're the Philadelphia union. They need to grow outwards and expand their area of influence. Chester, it's right there. It's just there needs to be a direct correlation of this team is doing good and we want to focus efforts into making this frontline area, even, you know, right by the bridge, just down in that whole area, some kind of imprint on the community that is helpful for both them, the people that live there, and the team itself. It It's a tough situation. It's definitely a an article that was argued about immensely <laughs> over the was it? I didn't I didn't see anything week. about it ah uh, yes Chuck was on a freaking mountain somewhere in Arizona <laughs> enjoying the social media cleanse escaping into the desert ha did you go you went to the Grand Canyon um, yes right? I I went to the Grand Canyon. I also hit um, the Mojave Desert. I was actually kind of annoyed that the entire time I was in the Mojave Desert, I had cell service. <laughs> you just like wanted that complete disconnect, yeah. right? Unfortunately, only only <sighs> mountains could stop T-Mobile. Yeah, yeah, that was my problem in the Smokies, man. Once you get up that high, services. Also, done. being between two mountains. Now, that's a fun time. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of those pictures. It looked amazing. Um, Chuck, is Brendan Aronson Rookie of the Year? Um, are we being subjective in even talking about it? Or are we just guys thinking on a four-dimensional plane when they see Brendan Aronson play for the Philadelphia Union. I think he's that good. Well, so the interesting thing is, one, I unfortunately can't claim to, for the first time in a while, know everyone who's Rookie of the Year eligible in MLS. Because I feel like if you're looking strictly at Brendan Aronson's stats, that he may not be Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah. You're almost you almost have to look from a very wide perspective of well, you know, the, 
the numbers aren't there, but the way he plays is like, wow, this kid's really, you know, playing at a higher level that he maybe should be at or what people were expecting of him at all. Yeah, and I mean... I, I would very much like to see who he's measured up against. But. And I mean, luckily, he did end up getting three goals and an assist. So it's not like he wasn't involved at all. But, like, when you look at what mm-hmm. he did when he was on the field and the fact that he made himself have to be played um, very early on in the season, he should have a pretty good shot at winning rookie of the year. Um, one interesting thing looking at end of season awards is the fact that um, Jim Curtin should end up finishing pretty highly in coach of the year, even with the union's tumble because of the fact that the union's tumble was nothing if compared to San Jose's tumble. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first to third is almost something that, uh, <laughs> doesn't warrant an argument especially for a team that has accomplished so little little at the domestic level but uh yeah i it, it was i thought it was too clear that san jose was just going to keep something like this going and then the decline the decline all the way out of the playoffs careened out of the playoffs i I don't think I've seen that much that much of a glaring collapse in the second half of a season. I really I mean and I've I've been watching the Philadelphia Union for a while, guys. So been there. Um I mean and then then the next biggest thing when it's coming to awards is uh will mls back up the fact that the union have the best left back in the league yeah i'm definitely you're seeing a lot of his name being mentioned i've seen people who have Uh, votes which unfortunately i don't have a vote because if i did you know exactly who i would be voting for um voting for him in their MLS best 11s for the year? So, it's already it's already a good sign. Um, personally, you look at the way he plays, and it's almost too clear that he's much better than just an average <laughs> MLS fullback. Don't, um, don't tell other leagues that. Because we know uh, they're yes. using our podcast for scouting purposes. Just kidding. He is trash. <laughs> but we like his hair, so we would like to keep him around. He sucks, though. <laughs> Guys, Kai Wagner's the best left back in Major League Soccer. Real talk, though. Uh, I think it's clear as day. I would agree with that. Now, if the Philadelphia Union could get an above-average right-back to complement the best left-back in Major League Soccer, now that would be something. I mean, you'd assume that, as with the past couple of years, that both right-back and central defensive midfielder will be on the shopping list for the Union, but we don't have to worry about shopping while there's MLS playoffs to be had. Yes, it's very. We are clearly looking too far ahead right now for me to already be shopping Ray Gaddis to uh, the USL for future defender of the Oof. year. <clears throat> Oof. Um, but what? Too far? Okay. That, I mean, I'm that sorry. is that is actually a little harsh. She is an MLS right back. Um, I mean, he's even a rotational union right back. It's not a starter. You're right, Ray. I'm sorry. Hey, you should you should you nah, should be nah, happy it's... that your brand is so strong that people were adding you on Twitter like why wasn't Ray allowed to take that meaningless penalty? 
Yeah, everyone. <laughs> For the love of God, I did see the Facebook post that said, Hey, Jim Curtin really dropped the ball not letting Ray Gaddis take that penalty. Oh, blow it out your ass. It wouldn't have counted in my personal record book anyway. The Stugats is strong in me. Bullcrap. It was a meaningless goal. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. Still, regardless, if Ray had taken that penalty and he missed it, you wouldn't hear the end of it from anyone online to do that in the final season of the final game of the regular season against the top team, still fighting for playoff positioning, and Jim Curtin let Ray Gaddis take that penalty. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I would I would put the over under of heart attacks in that stadium at like 14. Oh, I think half the st- and I would take. The I think over. half the stadium would have walked out had Ray taken that. Yeah. Yeah, guys. You want this beautiful, magical thing, but you can't handle what has to lead up to it. Ray Gaddis needs to be better offensively than most of the players on the field. And that's just not good because then the quality of MLS is declining. Hey, he tried. If Ray Gaddis. He tried a couple spin moves. He tried his best. I was impressed to an extent with how he was able to get up the field. It simply shouldn't have been him initiating those runs up the field with the ball. I appreciate that he's working on that, but it also catches him so far out of position sometimes that it makes me want to throw up. That is a fair assessment. Yeah, so... Okay. Ray, I'm sorry. No, you're not. You belong on an MLS team. No, stop it. Stop it. I mean genuine. You belong on an MLS team. I would prefer if it wasn't the union, so to say, but you belong on an MLS team. Also, congratulations on getting into what he got into Harvard. Is that right? Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, I just saw he got accepted to uh, I Chuck, I want to say Harvard, <laughs> like genuinely. Um, which is amazing. Like I said, great human being. Ray Gaddis was Ray Gaddis more... was accepted into the Harvard School of Business. Um, yeah. Is so? Do we have the next Brian Carroll coming your way? Uh, we might, and I welcome him back with open arms when his studies have concluded. I hope he gets the most out of school. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly. Um, much smarter human being than I am and his personal brand will grow much higher than mine will ever be because he'll actually have the school for it but seriously though congratulations to Ray Gaddis on that Uh, pro athlete (laughs) and Harvard (laughs) and Harvard god you can't even say that with a straight face you (laughs) um Ray Gaddis, part-time professional soccer player slash Harvard student. All right, I guess that's the closest we're going to get. Um, yeah. I guess that yeah. that does it for this episode of um, VFTV Pod. Yeah, that's right. I can say it correctly as well. Congratulations. Everyone can both be <laughs> Pardon my minor dyslexia. Um, we do have one. I have one more question for oh. you, oh. my friend. I I blew it. Go ahead. You're all good. I like your enthusiasm, though. <laughs> Maybe I was just trying to cut you off. <laughs> you might have been, but it's too late. I'm here. Who would you rather face in the second round, Atlanta or New England? Right now. Atlanta. You would rather face I would Atlanta. rather go because, number one, in the second round, it doesn't matter. You go to the Benz, you lose, 
okay, you lost. Atlanta probably um, wins the league. You go to the Benz and you win. It's absolutely awesome, and you just downed Atlanta. You face New England at home and you lose, and it's, holy shit, the sky is falling. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to live in a world where that's a possibility. I would I would I want another home game. Where... I don't want that home game to be against New England. That's another level of Philadelphia playoff atmosphere, though. Like, we're looking at a run similar to that the Eagles made, where the home field advantage just got stronger and stronger. But... And then they ended the season in a neutral but environment, want, and it was just absurd. But do you want Bruce Arena? Yeah. Mm. I. Uh, I want these fans to have an impact in as much of a way as they can. And I know that getting a bunch of them down to Atlanta will happen. simply won't be enough for that. Yeah, I, I just know. <laughs> so I want to give them every opportunity to be as sick as they can about this team <laughs> in this second round matchup. I mean, you're right. This, I, I think the stakes become much higher if it's a home game against New England because you're now expect you are now expected to win. I think what this team likes to thrive off of is that no one's been giving them credit most of the season on the national scale except for a few people. But now it's now you're the favorite and you expect these fans to take it lightly if it's anything but mm-hmm. a win. Nah, it's not the case. That said, I am going to take that because I love high stakes. I love drama. I mean, of course you are. I love <laughs> this entire thing. Yes. Nah, screw Atlanta. I hope they get bounced in the first round. I mean, it, it would be. I hope the sky would goes be falling beautiful. down. I hope DeBoer Coffins arrive at the stadium as soon as the final whistle blows. I want. I want that. I want to see that happen. I want anarchy in the MLS Cup playoffs. I mean, it is possible. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one, guys. This is going to be a fun postseason. It'll be a stressful one. I've almost threw an entire bottle of wine on this episode. That's right. For visual effect as well, Chuck started with a full bottle of wine. And it's good man not full anymore i want to i want to say he's about three-fifths done look at you mathing just the worst at it uh guys thank you for listening uh this has been fun to just sit here and talk with my buddy chuck uh evan we miss you we hope you wake up soon uh Justin and wife happy birthday uh guys you can find us on twitter at vftbpod I said it right oh my god um we're on spotify we're on uh stitcher we're on various podcast platforms uh anyone who ordered a jersey the Icarus snakeskin jersey they will be in soon. I'm getting updates on the weekly. Uh, we sold over a thousand dollars worth of jerseys, Chuck. Yeah, that's pr- pretty awesome. Like, like you guys are insane. Like people, people buying soccer jerseys is just—it's it, such a good—it's such a good thing. I own a good amount of soccer jerseys, and I just think it's like trading cards. And just everyone wants these unique items. But the fact that you guys are helping us grow and a local company like Icarus grow, it means the absolute world to us. Um, I will try to get them to you in person to avoid any other shipping woes. 
Uh, I travel a lot for work now, so that will probably be possible. But you guys are the best. Thank you. Genuinely appreciate it. I cannot wait to get this friggin' jersey, though. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> it's been a work. It's been a work in progress. But it will, it will be awesome to have there. them in person. Hopefully for MLS like a box Cup. Of... <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe we'll have them for a playoff run, guys. Looking fine as ever in the snakeskin jersey. Uh, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully our next podcast will not be as depressing as this one. Because it will be because we beat the Red Yeah, we're not ready for an end-of-season podcast yet. Nah, not really. I'm, I'm still feeling pretty good. I blew my hammy over the weekend, but I think I will recover. So I think I'm going to be fine for this playoff game. Alright, I'm going to go stretch it out. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Views from the Bridge, a Philadelphia Union podcast. As always, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We are a proud part of the Beautiful Game Network. BGN is a network of soccer podcasts, writing, and other great content. Go check them out at bgn.fm. You can find us on social media at VFTBPod on both Twitter and Facebook. Go check us out there, leave us a note, and ask questions. That is at VFTBPod on both Twitter and Facebook. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe to the show, and please leave us a review. For the Views for the Bridge podcast, Eva Valella, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft. Later. Later.